Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ventures Podcast. I wanted to just take a few minutes and uh, talk about a couple of these Reddit posts I did over the break and reiterate uh, a lot of the curriculum that we're going to be going over in this new course in teaching product and code. So first, you know, on Christmas morning, I got up before the kids got up and um, just kind of had an inclination to write this post here. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, If those of you who are listening, you can also watch this. You can visit wclittle.com or click the link in the show notes and see the the video of this. But um, really wanted to start a conversation about what does the, the implication of chat GPT have to the low code, no code versus Rails discussion. Because if you were to sort of frame the discussion, what Ruby on Rails did and and has continued to do really the last couple of decades here is um, allow very rapid creation of of web web, uh, applications. And the advent of low code, no code really the last 10 years, notably the last five years, has been an attempt to essentially skip that line and allow people who don't understand the full cycle of pulling data from databases and and doing controller logic and views and models and all of that, um, allow them to skip the line. And I think what we're finding is that, yes, you can build extremely relatively trivial apps that way, but any kind of sophisticated app does require full product engineering. And even when I interviewed Josh Haas, uh, co-founder of Bubble, co-CEO of Bubble, he, he, he was very clear to admit that it really is its own programming language. So that begs the question now, if in light of ChatGPT, where you're having the AI assistance assisting you with code and quick answers to questions as you're learning, is that faster or better from any degree or another to just go ahead and learn Rails and build it on your own versus using a tool like Bubble? And, uh, you know, I think the jury's still out, but I think my hypothesis in the coming future here is that it is going to be more advantageous to learn basics of code like Ruby on Rails, which, you know, I just, I picked Rails because I've been writing it since 2005. So, and it's a very, very effective way to quickly crank out a web app. Um, So that's my overall hypothesis there. I I encourage you to go check this out. There's a whole bunch of comments on this post here. um, And it's, it's, it's been some, some good discussion. But as it relates to, this is now the third week in a row, I really want to highlight this, um, this product and code cohort. So another post I did only five days ago, as of this you know, recording here on Tuesday, January 3rd, is, um, is, is really to ask what is the best way to teach Ruby on Rails comprehensively uh, in light of these new large language models, the LLMs like ChatGPT, because if we, and I've sort of brainstormed a huge list here and, and bounced it off a couple of colleagues around uh, what 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 do you need to learn when you're when you're becoming a web a web programmer, and then you know I'll I'll run through this here in a minute, but uh, I I wrote up this list and then I asked some colleagues and then I asked ChatGPT, hey, what did I miss from this list? So you could go through here and look all this up. Um, but really now the challenge is what is the most optimal path? So if you're part of this new cohort this year, again, I'll, I'll put the application link in the, in the show notes so you can jump in this quarter if you're interested. Really what we're, what we're trying to do is identify this, 
this list, this of, of what you need to learn, and then give people options for different paths to go about doing that. Some people are going to spend time learning Ruby and HTML raw. Some people are going to just jump right in and start building Rails apps and learn HTML and CSS and JavaScript that way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it'll be an interesting experiment. That's partially why it's a free cohort is that you know we, we're all sort of guinea pigs in this process. So anyway, the basic overview here is you, you need to know your computer well enough in order to install and one, run Rails in a number of different projects or, or, or packages and such. Um, so if, like using Homebrew for Mac OS. Uh, you got to know how to, how to interact with your file system via the command line. Uh, you got to have an integrated development environment that's an IDE, like Visual Studio, Co Visual Studio Code is a free one. RubyMine is popular amongst Rails developers for a, a bunch of reasons, but it's paid. Um, you got to store your code somewhere and collaborate with other developers. That's what Git and GitHub are. You got to make sure to have standards and, and, and code styling, both format, formatting and styles, and that's what linting is. You have to uh, uh, it, deploy it to production with a team, and this is what continuous integration, continuous delivery uh, has a number of different things that interact and all kinds of plugins with GitHub on that that we'll be making sure that people learn. Uh, developer operations, right? If you know, for example, if you use Amazon Web Services, they have I don't know how many bajillion different services now, but you have to know enough about how to like file storage or compute or different queuing services, different load balancing services, uh, managing your your domain name system, your your domains and the routing of those domains. For example, those are type developer op developer operations in the background that you need to know in order to effectively deploy, maintain, and scale a web application. As you're doing that, you got to monitor performance, you got to monitor code issues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, obviously, since we're teaching Rails, you got to learn Ruby. Rails is a set of packages on top of Ruby to allow you to build web applications quickly. And you got to do the, the core things with Rails, core things with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. You got to have a good testing framework, which we'll talk all about that, and we'll, we'll use RSpec to go about doing that to make sure that you have automated tests so you don't accidentally break stuff. And then there's a new JavaScript, lightweight JavaScript uh, um, framework called Stimulus that Rails uses, along with view components to, to have partials so you're not reinventing the wheel every time you're developing different pieces of your web application. And Turbo is part of the Hotwire stack, and it really will be looking at Turbo Frames, Turbo Streams, as a way to, as an alternative to React. And if you're just new to this whole thing, we'll be having a series of you know, videos to suggest to watch um, to, in, in order to understand those nuances. And then you're going to have to make the UI snap. And, and so CSS frameworks, a lot, historically people have been using Bootstrap, but we're going to be walking through Tailwind CSS. And uh, once you get everything up and running in, in a development environment or any kind of environment that is, is, is going to be used, uh, especially for production, uh, Docker is a way to contain those those snapshots of uh, of of a, of a uh, essentially an operating system or in a set of packages so that you can effectively uh, deploy things to production and then and then things like caching you're not going to want to 
you're gonna when you're when you're making calls to your database uh, and and do and other forms of calls to your your application, you want to actually redo a lot of compute. So any any kind of scalable web application requires a pretty sophisticated caching strategy, both to the hard disk and in and in and in memory, uh, random access memory. So we'll talk about that, and then ultimately, you know how to how to look things up with Google and, and ChatGPT. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll again, I won't through all this, I won't walk through all of this in this little um, podcast here, but you can you can read this. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. And uh, again, if you're interested in participating in this cohort this quarter, uh, hit me up. See that link in the show notes to apply. And um, yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll tune in here next week uh, with, with some updates and some progress on the Ventures podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. See ya. All right, a couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe. And you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. Number two, my partners and I at ProdeVentures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it'd be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.